the Rangers have the number four pick in the draft. What are they going to do with it? What are their options? And why is it so important for them to get this one right? We're going to talk about all that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked onto the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan since 2010, the founder and host for all five seasons of this Locked On Rangers podcast. Today is Thursday, July 6th. Your Rangers are 51 and 36 alone atop the AOS with just a two game lead over those pesky Houston Astros. Thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers. Subscribe on YouTube, where the best way you can help grow the show is to comment nearly any single thing below. Before we get into today's episode, this show is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. Now, before we get into the draft preview part of this episode, the Rangers got some news last night that Adoles Garcia will be participating in the Home Run Derby, the first time of his career, the third straight year where the Rangers will have somebody participating in the Home Run Derby. They had Joey Gallo at Coors Field in 2021. Then last year they had Corey Seager participating and this year they have Adolis Garcia a fun fun matchup for him and a, a really fun field we got through the one through eight uh participants I'm gonna go with with the matchups one the one seed Luis Robert Jr. versus the eight seed Adley Rutschman the four seed Adolis Garcia versus his good friend and former uh, Memphis Redbirds teammate Randy Arozarena, who is the five seed. We have Pete Alonso, the number two seed, versus the hometown kid Julio Rodriguez as the seven seed. And then in the final first round matchup, we have Mookie Betts versus Vladimir Guerrero Jr., uh, the three seed in Mookie Betts versus the six seed Vladimir Guerrero Jr. This is a really, really fun derby and uh, going to be a lot of fun for Adolis as well. I feel like uh, maybe maybe if Adolis wins this one, then we get to crown him the, the actual AL Rookie of the Year winner from 2021. Maybe he gets to to steal that title back. I don't know. Maybe maybe less will be online. But I'm really excited for him to get to participate in this home run derby. That gets to do it against his friend, and it's just going to be a lot of fun. Glad that he is a multi-time All Star, absolutely deserving, and he's going to get to put on a freaking show at the All Star game. Now, also congrats to Andrew Heaney, who just had a kid this week. He's been placed on the paternity leave. He will be coming back, I believe, on Friday on time to make his start. I'm not sure if that's his first kid or not. I'm pretty sure that's his his second kid, but the Rangers pitchers have been having a lot of kids this year. Three starting pitchers for the Rangers have had children sometime this year. Jacob DeGrom, Dane Dunning, and now Andrew Heaney. Glenn Otto also had a kid this year, so just um, congrats to all the dads out there, um, and glad that Andrew Heaney will be back to make his final start of the first half on Friday. Maybe they'll push him back. Maybe they'll start Cody Bradford on Friday and skip Martin Perez's final start and then have Dane Dunning go in the Sunday game against Nationals. Not entirely sure, but congrats to the Heaney family and glad that he'll be back to make his start. Now, let's look at the draft. The Rangers have the number four overall pick 
in this upcoming draft that is on Sunday. It'll be televised on ESPN and MLB Network. I think ESPN's broadcast is probably going to be a little better if that's what you're wanting to check out. I will be out of town this upcoming week, so I won't be able to do an immediate reaction to the draft, but our host, Lindsey Crosby, host of Locked On MLB Prospects, will be doing a big show that will be simulcast on all the networks, so I think it'll be on my YouTube channel uh, for Locked On Rangers, and it might be might be an episode in the actual feed for you you audio listeners. If not, then just check out Locked On MLB Prospects on Monday to hear the scoop about what the Rangers actually did while I will be in the mountains of Colorado with my family, uh, unable to podcast. But I will have shows for you next week that I will have pre-recorded by that point. But the Rangers have an important pick. They are picking number four. It goes Pirates number one, Nationals number two, Tigers number three, then Rangers number four. And the Rangers didn't have the fourth worst record in baseball last year, but they were beneficiaries of the first ever MLB draft lottery, which is something that I rallied against, thought it was really stupid because you can't really tank your way into a generational talent. Like if you're the Spurs um, and you get Victor Wimbanyama in, in the NBA or you know, you don't just luck into Andrew Luck in the NFL or whoever is your game-changing Peyton Manning, whatever, you know, number one clear overall franchise-changing player like you can in other drafts, even in the NHL to to some extent, not quite as much. But baseball, even your number one overall picks, if you draft a guy number one overall and in three, four years, he's your number three starting pitcher, that's a win. That's how much of a crapshoot this MLB draft is. I mean, it just always has been. And I feel like penalizing teams for being extra trash and not doing it to Oakland a little bit more for not actually spending. I mean, it just feels like it feels, I don't know, unnecessary because the MLB draft is not like other draft. There's a lot more strategy. There is bonus pools associated with each pick. The Rangers have done this multiple years now where they have a top five pick and they don't have a second or third rounder because of the free agent they signed. They lost those picks due to signing restricted free agents. One of them was Jacob Grom. One of them was Nathan Eovaldi. Absolutely worth a, a third round pick for Nathan Eovaldi, I'd say. And I'd still say Jacob Grom was worth giving up that second round pick, even if it is uh, number four overall in that round and the bonus pool attached with it. But the Rangers made some interesting moves last year with it, with this kind of draft strategy. They went for Kumar Rocker, who was a guy who maybe would have been picked 15th or so, did have the talent to be a number three overall pick in the draft, but also used that money to sign Brock Porter, who was probably the top prep armor, if not number one, the number two prep arm in the fourth round for a massive, massive signing bonus because of the money they were able to save on Kumar Rocker. I don't think the Rangers are going to employ something like that because there's a clear top five in this draft. A lot of really, really good players that in most drafts, you'd feel really freaking good about drafting number one overall. There is two different tiers in that top five, there is a top three, the college big three that consists of center fielder for LSU, Dylan Cruz, uh, right-handed pitcher for LSU, Paul Skeens, and center fielder slash corner outfielder for Florida, Wyatt Langford. Then there's the two guys that the Rangers will probably be picking between in Walker Jenkins, an outfielder from North Carolina at, at high school, um, and Max Clark, a high school outfielder from Indiana. So those are the big five. Those are the main guys you need to know about. And let's just get into them. Paul Skeens, I think, is if there's someone to fall from that top three. And I think there's maybe a 10% chance that any of those three fall to the Rangers at four. I mean, weird things happen. I mean, we, we've seen we've seen the Pirates have some interesting draft strategies. Henry Davis, who was their number one overall pick a few years ago and is already in the big leagues, was not necessarily the most talented guy in that draft, but the Pirates decided to sign him a little bit under that slot value. 
and uh, you know use that money to distribute it around and get a lot of really quality draft picks. And I think they did a pretty decent job of that. The Nationals, uh, they are pretty heavily linked to Dylan Cruz, Dylan Cruz's agent, um, you know, the, the big guy, the, the big man, if you will, the agent of all agents. Scott Boris is, of course, who I'm talking about. He's got really good ties with the Nationals, and he thinks that maybe maybe the Nationals might sign him for over slot value at that number two overall pick. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's what happens. Maybe it's not what happens. The Tigers have a, a weird draft strategy. They have not had a lot of success, even when they've been picking in the high rounds. Just not... <laughs> not a, a super duper well-run organization. They've had a couple of guys who just haven't quite worked out already, or they're still young and still have plenty of time, but I, I don't know what the heck the Tigers are going to do. They might do something crazy. They might be the ones that I, I think are most likely. Actually, I don't know, the Pirates too. I, I really don't know what's going to happen in this draft. I'm pretty sure that the, the Nationals, if Dylan Cruz is there, they will take him. But other than that, in the top three, I'm not entirely sure. Dylan Cruz is probably, I think, the best overall guy in this class. In just a second, I'm going to get into why. But first, this word from our sponsors. We've got a new sponsor for today's show. Our new sponsor, Sleeper, is a fantasy sports and real money gaming app focused on bringing people together through sports and gaming. Sleeper has become the fastest growing fantasy platform in the world with over 5 million active users. At Sleeper, it's not just about sports, it's about building personal connections and lasting memories. With Sleeper, predict the hottest baseball stats like home runs, hits, strikeouts, and much more to cash in on your fantasy baseball daily fantasy baseball skills. Entries can be made in 30 seconds or less. It is so simple and so freaking easy to do. Download the Sleeper app in your app store and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently oper- operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. Shout out to the everydayers for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. Like I said, next week I'll be updating my midseason top 30 prospects overall on Monday through Wednesday's show. You can catch the Rangers take on the Red Sox this week. You can catch every pitch with the hometown broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, getting into these top college three guys. Dylan Cruz, I think, is the best overall player in this draft because I typically value position players a lot more than uh, pitchers because there is no such thing as a pitching prospect. They are all incredibly risky, even ones as great as Paul Skeens. But his teammate, Dylan Cruz, has been a phenomenal hitter basically from the time he was in high school. He decided to go to LSU, decided to win a national championship, and was absolutely incredible this year at LSU and pretty much every year that he's been at LSU. He had a slash line of 426, 567, slugged 713. That is a 12 80 OPS this year in 71 games at LSU. 18 home runs for him, uh, six walks to zero times caught stealing, 71 walks to 46 strikeouts. This guy has a mastery of plate discipline. He knows how to barrel pitches up very easily. He can play a legitimate center field. He's he's pretty fast and he has some some pretty good routes and he has a really great eye at the plate, but he kind of reminds me as a hitter, the thing that Corey Seager does really well is he can barrel up pitches in any part of the strike zone and just hits it hard literally everywhere. I mean, it might not be the most raw power, but he just barrels up literally everything, which is such a difficult thing to do. And that is something that is incredibly difficult to teach. And that is something that 
that uh, Dylan Cruz does incredibly well. And I, I really, really like this guy. He's 21 years old. He just turned 21 in February 26th. I don't think there's any way in heck that the Rangers get him. But if they, if for some reason Dylan Cruz falls to you at number four, you thank your lucky freaking stars. You take him and you pay him as much money as humanly possible to go be maybe a top three prospect in your system already at this point. The next guy is a, another outfielder, Wyatt Langford. I think he's probably the number, the number three prospect. I'd say the third best prospect in this draft. He is a center fielder slash probably eventually corner outfielder for Florida this year in 64 games with the Florida Gators. He hit 373 with an on base of 498 and slugged 784, 21 bombs for him this year, 28 doubles as well. 56 walks to 44 strikeouts. We're sensing a trend here. We're seeing guys who are very athletic and have a good sense of the strike zone. His raw power is exceptional because in 2022, he hit 26 bombs for the Florida Gators, a combined 47 home runs in the last two seasons. And last year, he had a 447 on base percentage and slugged um, 719. This year, a 1282 OPS for the 21-year-old Florida man. A guy with a lot of raw power, a lot of athleticism that he's still still kind of learning baseball. Football was his primary position. He's a very, very athletic guy with a lot of raw power. I don't know if he'll necessarily stick in center field. I'm more of a believer that Cruz will than Langford. But he is a very, very talented hitter who I think has a really high ceiling. And we are just seeing the best of him. So I would be ecstatic if he fell to the Rangers. I think he's probably the most likely of these three to fall to the Rangers at number four. And if he's there, I think he's a no-brainer pick. Just like this next guy, Paul Skeens. If you watch the College World Series at all and watch LSU and watch this guy, you, you know how incredibly talented he is. He's a guy who basically sits triple digits. He is 6'6", 235 pounds. He was not one of the top overall guys coming out of high school. He went to Air Force and played as a two-way player there. He was a catcher, a 6'6 catcher, who was a little bit better of a hitter than he was a pitcher for at least his his first year at Air Force. I mean, his, his first year as a freshman at Air Force, 48 games, 11 home runs, a 11.83 OPS as a hitter really incredible stuff but as a pitcher this year he just ascended to another planet he started 19 games for the tigers a 169 era 122 and two-thirds innings and 20 walks to 209 strikeouts that is the most ever by any sec pitcher he is doing it with his fastball by commanding it he is doing it with his slider as well and he was just incredible electrifying to watch his his fastball grades out as a potential plus 80 80 pitch according to MLB pipeline his slider is a potential 70 grade pitch a double plus pitch the changeup is is solid and the control and command was was really solid for a guy his age it, it honestly like I said earlier when I was watching him in that first college world series start it kind of looked like a, a big leaguer rehabbing at like high a or something like that's he was just overmatching these hitters and this was not a bunch of weak hitters he was doing this to the best lineups in all of college baseball he was just so incredibly good so consistent obviously there is some concern there with with injury because he does throw 100 miles an hour and you know he's got the body for it. he's got the build for it being 6'6 235 pounds i think that he is a guy who could sustain that kind of velocity but we, we've seen how how brittle some of those guys can be and even Jacob Grom, the best of the best. And um, maybe Jacob Grom could impart some wisdom on Paul Skeens of how to, you know, not have multiple Tommy John surgeries. I don't know if that's even possible, but Skeens is probably the guy who is the fastest to the big leagues of this entire draft. 
I think that he could be in double A tomorrow and be dominating. And I think that he could be in a big league rotation as soon as like a year from now. It's really not it's really not out of the question that he could be in the Rangers rotation in 2024 by midseason or heck he might even compete for a spot out of camp that's how freaking good and polished this guy is the only question is is about him holding up long term and how he's going to perform when he is starting every fifth day versus every seventh day uh, or just once a week in college we'll see how that goes I and mean, we, we've seen some guys who are incredibly polished this this is probably the best this is the best college pitching prospect since steven strasburg yeah i know with the steven strasburg injuries but remember how good steven strasburg was when he was healthy that is the level that Paul Skeens is at. He throws even a little bit harder than Steven Strasburg and has a lot less wear and tear on himself than uh, Strasburg did at this point in his career. So if any of those guys falls to you, falls to the Rangers at number four, I will be over the freaking moon. And I think it, I will lose my freaking mind if one of those guys falls and the Rangers decide to take anybody else, or at least not one of the guys in the top five. There is a clear top five, and the next tier is where the Rangers will probably be picking. There is outfielders Walker Jenkins and Max Clark. Walker Jenkins, both these guys hit lefty. Walker Jenkins throws righty. Max Clark throws lefty. Max Clark is the Indiana kid who is a guy who ascended the ranks very, very quickly the last couple of years. He's an absolute star. He's a flashy kid who likes to dye his hair. He has a lot of Instagram followers, a lot of pizzazz, and a lot of confidence in himself. A very, very loud talker and very personable. And I, I kind of like that in a kid. He plays center field, probably more of a, a true center fielder than Walker Jenkins. Both those guys played center field in high school because if you're the best athlete on your team, you're going to play up the middle. That's just kind of how it works in high school baseball. Um, but Walker Jenkins, I think, is might be a little bit better of a pick. He probably projects more as a corner outfielder, but he's got a lot more raw power. Both of them are very good hitters, um, but Jenkins projects to have a little bit more raw power. The arm is plus. Um, he could probably be a an above average corner outfielder. Maybe he might be good enough to to make up for his lack of speed. I mean, he's not slow. He's maybe about a 55 runner is what uh, MLB Pipeline has him ranked um, or has him rated, I, I should say. But he's a guy with a, a good discipline of the zone and a lot of raw power, a lot of potential to dream on. Maybe eventually down the road in a Dolores Garcia replacement as your long-term right fielder of the future. I don't know. It's going to be a long time before either Walker Jenkins or Max Clark would get to the big league level. So I don't know. A lot of a lot of things to dream on with both those guys. Max Clark, more of a polished hitter, more of a doubles gap hitter, um, a plus plus runner, a 65 grade arm according to only pipeline and a 60 grade glove a lot of potential overall future value as a 6-1 center fielder guy who has done very very well this year ascending ascending the ranks and he has every tool in his is his arsenal is plus outside of his power and i think that, that power could eventually develop a little bit more than than folks are are expecting but he's a kid out of franklin indiana who has made himself into a star and is probably the best prep prospect from Indiana maybe ever. That's what MLB Pipeline is saying. He's a guy with a lot of potential. All five of these guys are fantastic prospects, and the Rangers got really lucky by jumping up into the number four pick as opposed to, I believe, the number seven pick they would have had if they just did it like the old system. But congrats to the Rangers for having some draft lottery luck. Now, in just a second, we're going to look at some potential wildcard picks and a young 17-year-old who is my prospect of the week. But first, this word from our sponsors. 
Shout out to the Everydayers for making Locked On Raiders your first listen every single day. Like I said, next week I'll be updating my top 30 overall midseason prospect rankings. The Rangers take on the Red Sox this week. You can catch every pitch with the hometown broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, the Rangers right now have a, are in a weird place. Like I said, they, they are missing out on a lot of money in the bonus pool because they don't have those second and third round picks. Again, I would sign Jacob Grom and Nathan Uvalde in a heartbeat, even knowing what I know today, even giving up those second and third picks with the number four slot as opposed to the number seven slot value assigned to them. But the Rangers have a uh, 16th, the 16th most 16th highest bonus pool at $9.9253 million. $9,925,300 is their overall bonus pool. And for the first round pick, the number four overall pick, that bonus pool is $7,698,000. So pretty much 80% of their budget for the entire draft is allotted to that number four overall pick. So the Rangers are going to have to get pretty creative with whatever they want to do here. And they might decide to go somebody lower in terms of talent value than number four overall. It might be, they might not have enough money to money whip Max Clark or Walker Jenkins out of their college commitments. Max Clark, the Indiana outfielder is committed to Vanderbilt while Walker Jenkins, I believe, yes, he is committed to UNC North Carolina, which is in his home state. So I think they'll have plenty of money to money whip either of those guys. I don't think that the Rangers should overthink it and take anybody outside of those top five guys that I mentioned. But if they do want to go outside of the top five, here's a couple of guys that I think that they could take an eye on. It's mainly just a couple of college pitchers. Uh, The next guy on this list at number five on MLB Pipeline's prospect rankings for the 2023 draft. They have Rhett Lauder, a right-handed pitcher out of Wake Forest. He was in the College World Series this year, and he was he was really solid overall. Not a super high ceiling on him, but a, a really high floor. He's got the best changeup in this entire draft. The fastball isn't anything crazy, but in 19 starts this year, he had a 187 ERA with Wake Forest, a 120 innings, 120 and a third innings, 143 strikeouts to just 24 walks. 10.7 Ks per nine, 1.8 walks per nine, 5.96 strikeout to walk ratio. That is something you love to see. He has got the competitive edge, the competitive fire, all of those things that you like to see in your pitching prospects. A guy with a, like I said, a nasty changeup of fastball that maybe could improve a little bit more. He's not the biggest guy. He's listed at 6'2", 200 pounds. And that's solid. Not anything Paul Skeensian in 6'4", that you kind of ideally like your your uh your top guys to be but um you know he's he'd be a solid pick i wouldn't i wouldn't feel great about it but if the rangers want to get creative and there's somebody that they think they can money whip in the fourth round like they did last year and get two first round talents with that bonus pool then i might be for that the next guy on this list is the tennessee right-handed pitcher chase dolander a or maybe it's dolander I'm not entirely sure how that's pronounced. I should probably should have looked that up beforehand. But anyway, he is the 6'2", 200-pound righty with a nasty, nasty fastball. This year was not nearly as good as last year. Last year, as a sophomore at Tennessee, he was projected to be one of the top picks in this year's draft. This year kind of fell off just a little bit. Last year, he had a 239 ERA in 16 games, 79 innings, 108 strikeouts. This year... 89 innings pitched, 120 strikeouts to 30 walks. Um, three, he, he doubled his walks per nine, and his ERA jumped up to 475 as opposed to 239 last year. 
not really much looking for, but the fastball is incredible. The curveball is really what tailed off this year. It took a big step back, but the fastball has got uh, the velocity. It's got the ride. It's got all the advanced metrics that, that scouts like to see. He can throw it at the top of the zone. The curveball, I think, probably could be fixed, and maybe the Rangers are not the pitching organization to do it because they clearly have not had the most success with pitching development this year or in any year, really, in, in a, a long time. And so I don't necessarily think that I would want to go with these guys. If the Rangers want to go really, really off the board, then they can go with one of the um, high school pitch that picks that a little bit lower. Uh, Noble Meyer is the top prep arm. He is out of Jesuit High School in Oregon. Um, or they could go with uh, Arjun Nimala, who is a shortstop prospect out of Florida, a guy whose family is from India, which is really kind of cool. And not a lot of guys of Indian descent that we've seen in the big leagues, but he is a guy who is definitely a first round talent. There's kind of a gaggle of shortstops that uh, are are out of high school and aren't quite sure how much they're going to command. I think uh, Arjun Namala is probably the guy who is going to stick at shortstop the most of those three, probably the highest ceiling. I wouldn't love dipping down this far into the pick, but I think he's an interesting prospect. And if the Rangers really, really like him, I trust their scouts. They have done a much better job in their early round picks as of late. I mean, we've seen, for years and years and years, I mean, when when Josh Young was selected the All-Star team, I tweeted out that he was only the fourth Rangers first-round draft pick since 2000 to be an All-Star at any point. Justin Smoke made literally one All-Star team. Joey Gallo made a couple. And, of course, we got to see uh, several from the first base uh, slugger Mark Teixeira and then Josh Young. But there has not been a lot of success um, outside of that. I mean, we, we've seen Cole Reagans kind of had a renaissance, the 2016 first-round draft pick. Bubba Thompson has made an impact at the big league level. Chris sees not so much. Cole Wynn, well, I thought maybe. Um, Davis Wenzel, he probably will make an impact on a big league team. Justin Foscue is looking like he could make an impact on a big league team. Uh, jury's still out on Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker. We'll, we'll see about those guys. But, I mean, even with Evan Carter, their second-round pick in 2020, they've been doing a much better job at nailing the early rounds of this draft. But they really, really need to hit on whoever they get with the number four overall pick because this is going to be the last top five pick, hopefully for a long, long time. They're not going to be in the lottery next year unless – a lot of horrendous things happen between now and the end of the season, but I'm not anticipating that happening. But let's get to my minor league player of the week. It is Sebastian Walcott, Walcott, the 17-year-old Bahamian shortstop, a guy who is listed at 6'4", 190 pounds. I'm kind of cheating because I'm including his last seven games, not just his last seven days, but he has been promoted to the Arizona Complex League, and in his seven-game stint there, he has been absolutely exceptional. He's got four home runs in that span, and he has just been absolutely crushing it after a decent first nine games with the Dominican Summer League Rangers blue team. Um, But in those seven games, he's got 31 plate appearances, four home runs, two triples, one double, hitting 367 on base of 387, slugging 933. 933 as a 17-year-old. This is his first pro season. So the Rangers already bringing him stateside after just nine games in the Dominican Summer League. That is a huge, huge red flag or green flag, I should say, of, hey, the Rangers really believe in this guy and he is rewarding their confidence um, with oodles and oodles of domination. He is 2.8 years younger than the average Arizona Complex League player. That is a hugely great sign. Um, it's his, he is their, their highest signee from last, the most recent uh January J2 signing period a I believe three million dollars was was what he signed for so great to see him having this kind of success only you know 
16 games professionally, but he is already making a huge, huge impact. Definitely worth a shout out. Some less great news. Jason Morabell is done for the season. He has a torn labrum. The 19-year-old was in down east this year and was putting up some some okay stats. Uh, was just nothing too crazy. Slugging uh, 384, a 697 OPS for a 19-year-old in full season ball was, was decent work, but it's a shame to see him out for the season. I have full confidence in him coming back and being fully healthy. Josh Steffen, the South Grand Parrot, Grand Prairie High School graduate made his double-A debut with Frisco. Not the not the prettiest debut, but still, he is in double-A, and he is very, very young, 21 years old. He was signed after the 2020 draft um, out of as a free agent because there were only five rounds, so the Rangers got a pretty good one in Hickory this year. He's got a 217, ER, had a 217 ERA in 62 and a third innings, 10.5 Ks per nine, 1.7 walks per nine, just five and a half hits per nine. Got hit up just a little bit in Frisco, a 4-15 ERA in that one start. Four and a third innings, two earned runs, five strikeouts, one walk. Solid stuff. He'll bounce back, and I feel very confident in what he is doing. And the last bit of news, uh, Abimelech Ortiz is the South Atlantic League Player of the Week. He is a first baseman, a 21-year-old out of, uh, I believe, from Puerto Rico, and he was the Player of the Month for June. He was a 21-year-old who had a slash line of 374, 442, 723. Just absolutely incredible. Eight home runs and 22 RBI over 22 games for Hickory in that month. He led the circuit in batting average, hits, RBI, total bases, runs, and hits in that month. His OPS ranked third among league qualifiers. He finished June with a 14-game hitting streak, and he hit five home runs in his last seven games over the month. He probably should have been my player of the week uh, a little bit earlier, but um, in 51 games for Downies, he's got a slash line of 325 on base of 403, slugging 665. That is a 1,068 OPS, 18 dingers, 13 doubles, and 54 RBI if that is your um, if that is your kind of thing but really really exciting for him a really good player mainly plays first base so was not a guy who I was really looking at but a 20 year old 21 year old who is doing that in Hickory that's the kind of first base prospect that you absolutely keep an eye on shout out to him for a fantastic month hopefully he can keep it up and maybe we'll even see him in Frisco by the end of the season but that is all of my minor league news and notes I was supposed to be doing this for Friday's show but last night's game sucked, and I didn't really want to talk about it, so I pushed that off uh, and switched that to today. On tomorrow's show, we'll be looking at five re- five things we learned about the Rangers in the first half, and then next week we'll having we'll be having those top thirty prospect rankings. And who knows, maybe uh, Abimelech Ortiz will be in my top thirty. Who freaking knows? Thank y'all so much for listening and subscribing. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy first place Texas Rangers baseball. <laughs>